Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Hey, you made it to church. Thanksgiving's over. You rolled out of bed. You're here. I'm so proud of you today. Would you make some noise for all those that didn't roll out of bed today watching online? Hey, we love you anyways. God bless you. We're so pumped that you would join. I, I, I say this all the time. Uh, we really believe that church should be a family. And I want to just say to you, um, in this season for Steph and I, this has been so much fun this last year, entering in a new season as your pastors. We have had the best time. We really have. We've had the best time getting to know you, having the opportunity to lead. We have so much to be thankful for in this house. And so from the Roberts family, the Roberts tribe to your house, we are so thankful, so grateful that we get to do life with each and every one of you. Uh, I really believe that as, as we close this year out, that, that we're entering a brand new season as a church. But, but I want to say this to you. I have expectation about what God wants to do over the next few weeks as we get ready to celebrate Christmas. Anybody like Christmas? You know, Christmas is not only a special time uh, for, for, for us as, as, as natural families where we love giving gifts to each other and our kids go bonkers and we eat way too much candy and treats. It's my favorite part, by the way. It's like there's more cooking going on in the month of December in my house than all year long. And I'm not complaining. Um, but I really believe that this is, is an opportunity for us as a church to be bringers. You know, there's two really uh, important times in the year where, where we get to bring our friends and family and their hearts are open. It's Easter, and I really believe that we've, we've let Christmas go a little bit, but this should be a great time for us to bring somebody. Over the next few weeks, we'll be getting into the Christmas holidays, and on the December 18th, we'll have our Christmas service. The worship team's got an amazing production they're going to put together. A bunch of songs we're going to sing. Christmas Eve, we're going to be right back here. Candlelight service. I want to invite you bring somebody with you. Let the light of the gospel, let the celebration of the baby Jesus impact those that we've been trying to minister to. This could be the moment for somebody where their heart's finally open. And you say, man, I just, we just went to that little candlelight thing and man, my friends got saved. You be the bringer and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do. Amen. Amen. Hey, last week we had Bishop Brian Green. Were you, were you grateful for Bishop Green last week? Come on, make some noise if you got something out of that. I'm grateful for him and Lady Carmen. The week before, we started a two-part series that I want to finish today, and I entitled it Generosity Speaks. Everybody say, Generosity Speaks. Generosity Speaks. It's, it's our generosity says something for us, and it's part of our core values here. You know, we, we believe in having beliefs and values as a church, and I encourage you as a pastor, I share this with you in July, and I will for the next few years, it's important to have family values. It's important to, to, to know what your family stands for and where you're going and how you're getting there. And we call those our value system here. And you can go on our website if you're new. We've got 10 core values. We say it this way, if you cut us, we're going to bleed these values. If you strip everything away from IFC, these are the 10 things that, that we want to be known for and that we really believe that have guided us to this point and will guide us to the next season. But I want to talk today about our core value of generosity. And we say it this way, our time, our talent, and our treasure that God has blessed us with is to be used to bless other people. We believe that living a generous life expands our worldview and it motivates us to be more like Christ Jesus. If you missed the sermon two weeks ago, I spent the majority of our time talking about those two things, that, that we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. 
The, the generous living is, is, is other people focused, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today, but that, that's who we are. We exist as a church for those that aren't here yet. So let me say this to you if you're new or you've just started coming. Welcome home. We created this place as a church family so you would have a family, so you could meet Jesus, so you could discover your purpose, and you could live a generous life. This is not a country club church where you sit in the same seat and this is where I do my stuff. No, 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 no. We, we, we exist for those that aren't here yet. Look around at those empty seats around you. Not many of them this morning. Look around. This church exists for those families, those individuals, those singles, those children, those kids, those grandparents that are not here yet. How can you say that? Because we realize we've been blessed to be a... That's why we exist. Our world is big and broad. I love that we, we reach a wide range of people at IFC. Some of you don't even know the Lord never encountered Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then we have others for 50 plus years been walking faithfully hand in hand with the Lord. I love that we've got people from all different nationalities. Oh, it gets me so excited that I'm the minority. Because this is what heaven's going to look like. This is what eternity looks like. I said all this to say, because we're a generous church, we get to experience a larger world than most. The second thing that happens when we live a generous life is we, we get to be more like Him. Say this with me, I get to. I get to be more like Him, and the more generous I am, the more that I live with an open hand, people recognize, wait, there's something different about you. Yeah, there's something different about me. I, I'm a Christ follower. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm on mission for Him. And what happens is, because of my generosity, I now get the ability to testify of His goodness in my life. This morning I want to read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. If you want to make some notes, and I, I'm a big note taker, I would encourage you to take some notes or pull your phone out. For those that don't want to, we'll, we'll put it up on the screen for you. He says, tell those rich in this world... Tell, this rich in the, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves. Elbow your neighbor and say, uh-oh. Don't be so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone. Y'all got to help me preach today. Tell them to go after God. Tell them to go after God who piles on the riches more than you could ever imagine or manage. Tell them to do good. Tell them to be rich in helping others. Tell them to be extravagantly generous. For if you'll do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining a life that is a true life. I like to say it this way, a true life worth living. So Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, if this was true for your people then, it's true for your people now. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our ears. We ask you to speak to us today. Talk to us about the purpose of generosity. Talk, us about, talk to us about our role and our place in the kingdom and our responsibility with the gospel. Father, I thank you for those that are new to this house. I ask you to give me simple words to help them digest your heart for your people. 
Lord, for those that have been around quite a bit, I ask you to spur us on. That today our faith would be charged because we're hearing again the principles of living, the foundation of who you've called us to be. Lord, give me boldness to declare what you've placed in my heart. For those in the house watching online and listening to this by podcast or YouTube later, and we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And everybody said, Paul was a church planter. And in this story, he's this scripture, he's giving Timothy, a son in the faith, he's giving him some instruction, and I want to take a moment and give you this instruction as he did Timothy. Don't be so full of yourselves in this Christmas holiday season. Don't be so full of yourselves bragging about what we have because there's others that don't have what we have. The truth is, is it's not about you, it's about him in you. I shared this with you two weeks ago, Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, for he, everybody say God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, he gave me the ability to get wealth. So here's the thing, if we brag about what we have, we're taking the, 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 the direction off of him and we're taking it to ourselves. Don't be so strong to declare what you have. Here's the thing. You're just the, the one that he's asked to hold it for the season. Don't be so full of yourself. For it's not about you, but what? Go after God. Go after God's plan for your life. Go after God, your provider. Understanding that it is him that gives you the ability to get wealth and then do what? Paul said to Timothy, tell him to do good. Do good everywhere you go. I love the scripture that says, Jesus went about the villages doing good. Oh man, what happens when you do good? People want to be around you. Uh, they, they want to spend time with you. They want to ask questions about your life. Some people think that Jesus was constantly flipping over tables and they, he was here to stir everything up. Listen, don't, don't take one or two scriptures out of context and determine the character of Christ by those situations. I read the Gospels, man, he was loved. He was admired. There was people that would leave their hometown to say, you're going to preach the next town, I'm going with you. Why? He was friendly, he was kind, he was generous. He did good, everybody say good, everywhere he went. Paul continues to say, tell them to be rich. If they're going to be rich in something, let them be rich in helping others. We talked about this last week or two weeks ago, and I keep bringing it up. You have been blessed to be a... Why do you have blessings in your life? To bless others. Listen, when you understand that Christ has blessed you, your life changes. We celebrated Thanksgiving this last week with, with our family, as, as many of you did. And I'll be honest with you, we, walk, we talked about it all week, what we're grateful for. What are we thankful for? I'm thankful that I'm not where I used to be. Maybe some of you can shout on that one. You should be grateful. You're not where you used to be. You're in a different place. Why? Because you did something? No, because of what he did for us. I'm grateful I'm not where I used to be. I'm grateful for the past, but I'll be honest with you. I'm grateful for the present. I'm, I'm, I'm giving God glory for bringing me to the place. I don't belong here. You don't belong here. These places and seasons of blessing in our life, it's all about him. But I also can't stay there. I have great anticipation and expectant faith of what he wants to do in my life in the future. 
I'm blessed from where I've been. I'm blessed for the moment, but I know if he can, if he can get this through me and I can understand, I'll be a greater blessing to somebody else in the future. That's good preaching right there. And he goes on to challenge him to be extravagantly generous. I like that he didn't just say, be good, be kind, have some fun, be nice. I like these adjectives he puts in here in the message. He said, be extravagantly generous. What's that word extravagant mean? It means exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate or maybe even absurd. Does that describe your generosity? I'm one that I grew up in a generous house. My dad was, was always exceedingly generous to the point of it being absurd. You're like, Dad, that lady doesn't need a $100 tip. The bill was $5. We ordered scrambled eggs. That was it. I know, but I just want her to know that God loves her and God's blessing her. It was like, man, he was like, it's like you're, you're outdoing yourself. And he's like, isn't that what Jesus would do? Listen to this. Exceeding what is reasonable. Are you a reasonable person? We would like to say that we're reasonable and and that be an accolade like, Kevin, he's he's a reasonable man. I don't want to be known as reasonable. I want to be known as exceedingly unreasonable when it comes to my giving, when it comes to my generosity, when it comes to me being a tool to get resources where they need. I want people to say, man, that guy... It's absurd what he gives away. Why, for me? No, because that's who Christ was. We just talked about, Stephanie shared with you, the story in the gospel where the little boy gave five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000 men plus their kids and their wives. And what happened? 12 basketfuls left over. Why didn't Jesus just multiply and said, 2, 4, 6, 8, 12, 22, 14, 1300, 4, 000, 25, da, da. Why didn't he just do the math? Hey, guys, there's 5,000 people. Lord, we need 5,000 meals. Because that's not how God is. He's a more than enough God. He's a more than enough God. I, I like IFC. I keep thinking about all the reasons I love IFC. Maybe one day I'll do a series, uh, reasons why I love IFC. But today, reason why I love IFC number 295, because when we order food at IFC, we always order more than enough. I think that's because our founders were Italian. No, we're, we're nervous. We're going to run out of food. Right, this is the thing you can understand and you can always guarantee about IFC. If we're going to order food, they're going to be more than enough. I was watching the Thanksgiving blessing we had last Sunday night. We, we, we had a, a time where we gathered and prayed with those families that wanted to come. And, and I asked them, could you give away donuts? I, I like donuts. Your pastor loves donuts. I said, what kind of donuts do you want? I said, I like maple donuts. And if we're going to be extravagant, I like the maple donuts with the bacon on top. That's, that's, my, that's my love language, by the way. And my love tank is full. Um, but I was, I was happy to see as people were leaving, they were getting coffee and there was donuts. And, you know, people got a little napkin. They got their donut and they're walking around in the foyer out here after service. It makes me happy seeing people, you know, getting fed because they're happy. I watch all these little kids running around. It's 9 o'clock. They're still eating donuts. They're getting sugar high. And that made me happy. But you know what made me more happy? 
was at the end of the night, there were still 20, 30 people hanging out in the lobby and we still had dozens and dozens of donuts and I watched our blue shirt team, our, our guest services, the hospitality team, they were walking around saying, hey, would you like an extra dozen donuts to go home with? Would you guys, we, we, we have to throw these away. Would you take the dozen with you, Mike? Mo, do you want two dozen? Would you take two dozen with you? And I'm watching little kids walking out like, I like this church. This is my kind of church. What is that? That's an example and a type of shadow of who Christ has called us to be. That's how he would have fed us. I like this. Exceedingly over and above what is reasonable or even appropriate. We have some friends, they have Thanksgiving in, in Nashville every year. They, they have the huge table and they put the food on the table. I mean, it's just stacked in layers. I've seen the pictures. It looks like something magical. And he said they go to the table and they get their food and then they resort to their little cubby holes in the house, you know, and eat with their friends and family. He said, but after lunch, they just bring out a big keen size sheet. And this guy over here, they, they take the sheet and they just cover the table. And they leave it there for the afternoon. And then when it's dinner time, they just peel the sheet back off. Why? Because we made so much food. We're going to eat it for lunch. We're going to eat it for dinner. We're going to have turkey sandwiches for breakfast tomorrow. How many of y'all had turkey sandwiches and ham sandwiches the last couple of days? What is it? That's in a more than enough. That's who you're called to be. The truth is, is that kind of generosity speaks of who we are. And greater than it's speaking of who me and you are, it speaks of who is in us. I was thinking back a few years ago. I've shared uh, many stories about my time preaching at a tattoo parlor in Southern California. And in 2009, I was hanging out at the shop and this gentleman came in and he was begging for a job. He had been let off, let go from another tattoo shop and he was coming into this shop where I was hanging out asking, hey, would you give me a job? And he had his portfolio with him and he was trying to sell himself to the owner. Like, man, I really need a job. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Can you, can you help me out? And, and at the time, my buddy didn't have a job for him. And the man said, listen, I got a six-year-old daughter at home. I don't have any food in my refrigerator. He said, I drove here with the last little bit of gas. I don't even know if I'll make it back to my apartment. Can, can you do something? Like, can you help me? And I said, man, I said, tomorrow night, if you can make it back here, I said, we've got a group of guys. They're going to be here. We have a Bible study on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock right here. If you'll come back, I said, I'll have something for you tomorrow night. I called our crew that night. I said, hey, there's a guy coming tomorrow night. Would you be willing to sow a seed? I'm praying that he's going to come. And Well, I want our generosity to speak of, of our Bible study and who we are. And they all, they called me chap. Yeah, chap, we'll throw in, we'll throw in. And so we collected this money. And the next day, that guy came to the tattoo shop that night. And he looked disheveled. He looked tired. He looked worn out like, like, like he was on his last leg. And he came into the shop and we began to have the Bible study. And I said, hey man, we got this gift card for you all. I just want you to let you know, these guys, they all took up a collection today and we want you to know God loves you. And he started weeping. And then he started wailing. And then he fell to the ground right there in the tattoo shop and he said, I want that Jesus you've been talking about. He said, I, I, said, I came here ready to take my life tonight. He said, I have to feed my baby girl. He said, had you guys not done this, I don't know what happened, but if that's who that Christ is, if, if you guys are an example of him, I want that in my life. We prayed with that man and led him to the Lord right there that night. What is that? That's, that's the generosity speaking and opening the heart of a young man who was hungry for the gospel more than he was hungry for food. Psalms 37, 21 says, the wicked borrow and do not repay 
But the righteous, that's you and me, the, the ones in right standing with God, those that have access to him, we, we, we give generously. I don't know about you, but every day that I'm alive, I want to be more like Christ. Now, I'm not telling you that happens every day, but that's my desire is that every day I would become more like him. And one of the ways we become more like him is examining our generosity on a daily basis. Our generosity with our time, our talent, and our treasure. I like, I like to look up words and phrases. Me and my wife like definitions. I love statistics. And I was looking up the word giving in the Bible. But listen, the word believe, everybody say believe. believe. It's important to believe, right? In the Bible, the word believe is in there 272 times. The word prayer, we're, we're a praying church, it's in there 371 times. The word love, it's important to love people. It's in there 714 times. But the word give, 2,161 times. What does that tell me? It's important to believe. It's important to pray. It's important to, to do all these things. But man, at the end of the day, what is that for? We believe in him who loved us so that we could pray of where we should, of where we should give. The truth is, is God wants you to be a giver more than you want to be a giver. We believe that he's given us wealth, not just for us, but that he's bringing wealth through you to get it through you. What is that? That's the heart of generosity. That's the attitude of a generous person. I want to take the next few minutes and talk about some attitude. Everybody say attitude. You ever been around rich people and you're like, man, they got some attitude about them. I've been around rich people and they, they have an attitude. I'm not saying it's wrong. They just carry themselves different. They, they just respond differently. They react to life a little bit different. And I want to tell you this. When you become a generous person, your attitude changes. I'll talk about it in a minute, but actually your heart changes, which then gives you the attitude of, man, I, this is who I am. I'm generous because Christ in me was generous. Here's, here's five, five attitudes I want to give, and you can write them down, of what a generous giver's life should look like. Number one, they give joyfully. They give joyfully. Some of this generous, that, that this is who they are, and this is the life they live. Man, they give joyfully. They have fun doing it. We don't pass buckets in the church anymore, but we used to pass buckets, and sometimes it's fun to kind of watch people as they give. Because they know somebody's looking, right? So I got to give something. Listen, the, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, in Acts 20, 35, he says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Here's the first test on how you can know if you're generous. Do you get excited when somebody gives you something? Y'all don't? Do y'all like presents? Y'all like presents? How about you guys? You like presents? Like, I, I like gifts. Some of us, it's our love language. You give me something, I'm going to love you. I mean, I like you, but I love you for doing this. Last week, I, I had the opportunity. Uh, Bishop Brian Green is a, is a good friend of this house. He's, he's one of our overseers. And one of the things that I've noticed about Bishop is he may come with his bishop's collar on. He may come on official business, but he's always got some killer Jordans on. Like the dude's got swag. I mean, he oversees thousands of churches, so he comes with the, the proper attire for his role and responsibilities as an overseer. But he always will let you know, I'm still cool. I still got it. 
So I wanted to get him a gift. And so last week between services, I had, I had Amy wrap up a, a, a pair of shoes. I got him a pair of Air Jordan. I think they were Air Jordan 4s. And they were this blue leather with this, they were cool. And, 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 and what was fun was, was what I, I said, hey, Bishop, I said, between services, I, I know you got to go right about, I got you a gift. And he took a step back. He said, oh, man. Like he knew what was in the box. Like if you collect Air Jordans, you know that's, oh, this shoes. This shoes. And, and I handed him the box and said, Bishop, I want you to know I love you and I appreciate you. And he opened it so carefully. Each piece of tape, run his finger down there, fold it up. It was like slow-mo. By the way, I don't like that kind of unwrapping. In my house, when we open presents, you better get out the way, man. I'll rip that thing open. What's in there? And he's taking his time. and He's peeking at the box. And, and, and as, as much as he's excited, me and Mo were standing there like, He doesn't know what's in the box. He can't get these Jordans, but I got them for him. You know what? It was a test for me. Like, I got excited more for the giving than I did thinking, well, he didn't bring me anything. Here's a good test of your heart. Are, are your, is your heart generous? Because if it is, you get more excited about the giving of the gift than you do of the receiving of the gift. Some of my best memories of giving was when I was single and being in, in Los Angeles, having, having no family there. So for Thanksgiving, I would go serve pumpkin pie at the Dream Center and some of the outreaches there. I had so much fun slinging pie to homeless people. Like I left, I was just like, man, that was the best Thanksgiving ever. Guess what? I didn't even get turkey that Thanksgiving. And the Lord was saying, see, it ain't about turkey. It's about gratitude. It's about being willing to be used. Going to the Philippines. Uh, for, I was talking to some friends of ours in the first service that are Filipino. And I, I was thinking she triggered it. You know, in 2009, our organization that we were working with in the island of Mindanao, we partnered with Tom's Shoes. You guys know what Tom's Shoes are? How many of you know what Tom's Shoes are? For every pair of shoes you buy, they give a pair of shoes away to someone in need. And so they had chosen the organization that I was working with. They said, hey, you guys want to give away some shoes? And I was like, man, we're going to be in the schools. And so for, for a week long, I got to pass out thousands of pairs of Tom's shoes to little kids who have never even had a pair of shoes. I got to tell you, those little kids were pumped. But Pastor Josh was even more pumped fitting these little kids with the shoes and then watching them run around like they didn't know what to do. Like, I got something on my feet. I had so much fun. There was so much blessing in that. Stephanie and I spending time in Oceanside, California where we planted our first church. It was going to the beach and feeding the homeless, making sack lunches and going down there and helping these people. Listen, there's a joy to giving that comes with the heart of a generous person. Here's the second attitude of a generous person. They give selflessly. They give selflessly. They make other people the focus, not themselves. John 3, 16, you've probably heard this verse if you've ever been in church or been around religious people. It says, this is how much God loved the world. My little girl, she's three years old, and we, we play this little game. I say, how much does daddy love you? And she say, tiny bit. And I said, tiny bit. And she said, he, whole lot. And then she gives me a hug. He's saying, this is how much. How much did God love the world? A whole lot. He gave his son, his one and only son. That's how much. And the reason why? 
And so that no one could be destroyed, but by believing in him, anyone could have whole and lasting life. What's he saying? God the Father was more focused on you than it was his own family. If God was focused and is focused on others, don't you think that should apply to us? See, here's the thing. When we give and the focus is on someone else, this is what happens. It begins to change your heart. I got to be honest with you. We, me and Stephanie, we, we dated for 12 years on and on. And I let her know right up front, I ain't getting married until I'm 40. <laughs> Who says that? A selfish person. Why would you say you're not going to get married until you're 40? Because you're focused on yourself. I want to do this my way. I want to go here. I want to have this. And if I'm married, I can't do all that. That's the voice of a selfish person. And I can tell you this. When we got married, I became unselfish real quick. Have you seen those boots? Listen, when you, when you focus on now your spouse, or how about this? How many of you were selfish and then you had kids? And you realized how selfish you were. This is the thing that happens when we begin to get our focus on taking care of our spouse, our kids, our others, extended family, people we don't even know. All of a sudden, your heart starts to change. What does it do? It becomes softer. It becomes more others focused, which means, guess what? You are being more like Christ. God the Father gave his only son because he cared more about us. And he did his own son. Here's the thing. When you give with no expectation of anything in return, you are setting yourself up for a move of God in your life. I truly believe that some people are stuck in life because they're self-focused. And God doesn't bless selfishness. Man, I've been believing for this and that, and it never happened. And I've been praying, and I just don't think God's ever going to do it. No, 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 hold on. Just shift your focus. You need a different perspective on that. Your life has been focused on what you need and what you want. And what he's asking you to say is, Lord, what do you want to do in me and through me? And in that moment, your heart's changed. And all of a sudden, the blessings begin to flow. I love what Pastor Jonathan has taught me. He said this. He said, when, when order is restored, blessings are released. It's a powerful statement. Write that down. When order is restored, blessings are received. Maybe things are out of order in your life. Listen, others first, you second. Others first, you second. And I tell you this, you get that in order, you get that in proper perspective with the right motives, you watch out. There won't be room enough to receive the blessing God wants to pour out on your life. The third attitude of a generous person is they give willingly. Generous people give willingly. They have a, I get to attitude. Oh, I get to, I get to participate. I get to give. I get to be a part of that. And you must, have, you must have to have the want to. Sometimes my kids make messes in their rooms. How about this? They always make messes in their rooms. And then I have to go in there and I'll tell our, excuse me, our three-year-old, hey, Emmy, you need to clean up your garden. You need to clean up the stuff. She's got this kitchen in her room. It's got a stove. It's got a refrigerator. It's got all kinds of fruits and vegetables. Like, it's full kitchen. Sometimes I go in there, and she's got the apron on. She's got the baker's hat. And, man, she's got babies laying around. And she's having tea party, hot dogs. She's just cooking for the babies. I said, hey, we got to go. It's time to go to church. And she said, I'm cooking for the, we're having a tea party. 
I said, I know, tea party over. Clean this junk up and back in a minute. We got to get dressed and go to church. And I come back five minutes later. Emmy Ray, you ready? You ready to go? Did you clean up your stuff? She's still in there playing. I said, Hank, Emmy Ray, we got to go to church. We're going to be late for church. Put the babies away. Put them night night. Put the stuff away. And she said, I don't want to. So I, I, well, that's, I understand that. Daddy didn't ask you if you want to. I'm giving you the opportunity to get to. And if I come back in again and you didn't have the want to, I'm going to help you with your want to. And I don't want to give you a correction. <laughs> and I come back in and she's cleaning up. She said, Daddy, Daddy, I, I, I want to clean up. Well, guess what? I want to bless her in that moment. But the moment when she said, I don't want to, I'm thinking, you little blessing. Generous people have the attitude and the heart of I get to do this to bless my father. And in return, my daddy's going to want to bless me. My wife said, you're spoiling her. I said, so be it. She's the only girl we got. <laughs> These two boys got to fend for themselves. But here's the thing. I really believe that's the heart of the father. Man, when we have the want to, daddy, will you let me? Man, all of a sudden, there's this response of the father. of, Hey, I want to do what you want. What do you need in your life? What are you believing for? Generous people have the, the want to. 2 Corinthians 9 says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's the way to tell if your giving's making a difference. Is it cheerful or are you giving with a grudge? Are you giving once because you want to or because you have to? I got to tell you this, even we talked about tithing a few weeks ago. And with your tithe, a, I have to do this because God's demanding it. You're missing the point. He's giving you the opportunity to get to honor him in 10%. And as a result, he'll bless your 90%. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better want to. Your life, I believe that our life is defined by opportunities opportunities that we get to. Number four, I've got to move on. I want you to understand that the life of a, of, of a generous person, they give thankfully. They give with gratitude in their hearts and with their mouth. Learn to bless other people because you yourself have been blessed. When you sow a seed, when you give an offering, when you do something kind, be grateful in your words and say, Lord, because you've done this for me, I'm doing this for somebody else. Psalm 116 says, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? Here's the truth. Listen to this. Thankfulness unlocks the fullness of life. Thankfulness unlocks the fullness of life. It turns the little you have into enough and more than enough. Thankfulness turns denial into acceptance. It turns chaos to order. It brings confusion to a point of clarity. When you're thankful, it can turn a simple meal into a feast. It can turn a house into a home. It can turn a stranger into a friend. Thankfulness unlocks the heart of the gospel, the heart of the kingdom. Generous people, they give thankfully. And number five, generous people, the the sign of a generous person, the attitude is, I give intentionally. They give intentionally. Acts of kindness and seeds of greatness and even financial seeds, they make way for the gospel. Sow your resources, not as just throwing it out there, sow it as a seed. Everybody say a seed. 
You know, I believe that sometimes we have resources in our hands and they won't meet our need. And, and what I've learned growing up is if it doesn't meet my need, I'm just going to turn it into a seed. It doesn't mean I'm just going to throw it out or hold on to it until it grows into something else. I'm going to sow it intentionally knowing that, that God's word said if I sow, he'll match it. And if I water it with his word, it'll, it'll grow and produce. And at the same time, when I need harvest, I can reap a harvest with my mouth based on the seeds that I sowed. For some of you, you've been sowing, 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 and you've been intentional, and this is your season of reaping. How do you reap? You reap with your words. Lord, you said in your word, if I did this, you would do that. Now's my time. I need that. Here's the thing, if I just throw my seed out there and I don't remember where I planted it, it's hard to go get the harvest off the seed. I shared this with you before, but I want to take this down to a super practical level. Steph and I, we have a note in our phone. We have iPhones and we share a note on our phone. And it says, Seed 2022. And when we sow a seed, we put in there what it was. Bishop Green, Air Jordans, the dollar amount and the date. Pastor Mo and Amy had coffee with them. This date, this amount of money. I keep track of my seed. Every year for the last seven, eight years, we have seed charted in our phones. Why? Because I may need to harvest some of that seed sometime. There's plenty of times where the enemy said, you got a lot of month left at the end of that check. I said, that's all right. I got seed in the ground. And so, Lord, I declare by faith, that all my needs are met. I'm a seed sower. We've been sowing intentionally, not frivolously. We've been planting and planting. We planted. We didn't have it, Lord. And so now I'm asking for a harvest. What am I doing? I'm exercising my faith. I'm exercising dominion in this world as an heir, as a son. People that live generous lives, that end up living wealthy lives, they sow intentionally. I want to take the last few minutes as we close and talk about Giving Tuesday. Everybody say Giving Tuesday. Last year we participated in Giving Tuesday as a church, and this Tuesday, the 29th, we will participate again. And I love what Giving Tuesday is all about. It's about unleashing radical generosity. Would you say radical generosity? Does that sound weird? As opposed to, hey, a day we pick to be generous. Hey, this is, a, this is an international day where we're asking all the people to just, just do what you can. No, no, no. The reason we love this, it, it speaks of God the Father. Hey, if we're going to do something for humanity, let's just do something radical. Let's just give them our best. And so together as a church, we've set our faith. We're believing to give away $150,000. And, and I, I'm pumped about this because that $150,000 equates to thousands and thousands and tens of thousands that would be affected, of lives affected by the seed we're going to sow. Here's the three organizations that we're giving to. I, I've shared this a little bit, but I want to remind you, maybe you weren't here the last couple weeks. Locally, we're, we're giving to the Merrimack Valley Dream Center. They're right here in Lawrence. We've got, we've got great friends and family in this church that, that live in Lawrence and work in Lawrence. We love what they're doing. They're feeding the homeless week by week. They're, they're, they're taking food uh, uh, under, under the bridges where there's people that are strapped in addiction. They're helping not only feed their, their physical bodies, but then they're helping get them into recovery programs. Right now, this seed that we're going to sow, significant seed, it's going to help them open up uh, um, a place for 
Those that have been addicted, they've, they've gone to rehab, they're clean, they've been living in a halfway house now, but now they need some residential treatment. They need somebody to help them with life skills. They need somebody to help them get a job. So your seed is going to make a difference right here in our backyard. The second organization, it's called Mercy Multiplied. And Mercy is a residential program that helps young ladies that are challenged in many areas between the ages of 13 and 32 Young women that are dealing with abuse, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, self-harm, addiction, unplanned pregnancy, and even sex trafficking. They have locations in Tennessee, Louisiana, Missouri, Sacramento, California, the UK, and Canada. I want to tell you this. This is one that's close to home. One of our young ladies from our church finished going through Mercy's program just a little over two years ago. And this morning, she's back in our youth auditorium ministering to young girls that are going through the same situations. This isn't some organization that we just found. No, this is one that we believe in, that we've used and will continue to use to to get young ladies free from anything that would try to hold them back from what God's called them to be. The last one is the San Pedro Sula Dream Center. We've talked about this one quite a bit. We send teams there every summer. So it's very dear to Steph and I's heart because Kim and Pablo Elvira, the, the pastor's there, the planter's there. They're very close friends. I grew up with Kim. We went to school together. We went to Bible school together. We went to missionary school, and then she went to Honduras and just never came home. Over 25 years, they've been working there. They've got a, a, a beautiful church called City Hope, but they also have a dream center where they feed 250 families a day. They're giving education and clothing to kids that wouldn't have it. They give medical care. They give counseling. They've got sports teams. They've got music teams. And right now, the seed that we're going to sow this next week, it's going to go to help them purchase the property. They've been leasing it for many years, and now it's time for them to own it. Listen, when you own something, you can build what you want to build. And so our prayer is to partner with them to finish off this final payment so they could purchase this property next year and that we could begin to build the schools that they want to build that will provide education and hope for young Honduran children so they can grow up and understand that God's called us to be fruitful in this nation and not have to leave, that God's placed them there on purpose. And so those are the three organizations that we're partnering with. Here's what I ask of you. Would you pray? Would you just ask the Lord what you would, how he would have you to be a part of this? I'm not going to ask you, should you give? I think you know that you should give. Here's the question, how radical should it be? You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I know you're calling me to give. I I feel generous, but, but I need to talk to you about this. How radical do you want this to be? This isn't a, a normal offering. This isn't a, hey, this is what I can do. This is, this, is what I, this is what I had in mind. This is what we can afford. For some of us, this will be a sacrificial offering. This will be an opportunity to tell the Lord, hey, your needs before mine. Your needs before mine. You brought it to me. I have it, and Lord. I have these things that I, I wanted to do with it, but Lord, how radical do you want me to be? Because I want to be a part of this. And I, I'll tell you this. If you'll pray that prayer and you'll obey what he tells you to do, our staff, our elders, our, our team, we're going we're to do the same. And no matter what the amount is, we're going to bless some folks right here before Christmas. We are going to be his generous mouthpiece right here locally, nationally, and internationally. Amen? Would you stand with me, Father God? We thank you for the opportunity for the get-to. 
Lord, we determined to give joyfully. We determined to give selflessly. You can count on us to give willingly, thankfully. And Lord, we're going to give intentionally. I ask you to speak to each and every one of us about the radical efforts you want us to make this Tuesday to make an impact, to pave the way for the gospel to go forth around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.